0: Hey guys, it's Rebecca. I just wanted to let you know, in case you didn't, that we recently launched my first fragrance. I'm so proud of it. I think the smell is amazing. I created it for you, for me, and uh, it doesn't actually involve any compromises. It's vegan, sulfate and phthalate free, cruelty free, My goal was to create something that marked all your milestone moments, but that didn't compromise your and others' health. And it's environmentally friendly with sustainable packaging. So head over to my website, RebeccaMinkoff.com, and check out my first fragrance. Hey, everyone, it's Rebecca. You're listening to Superwoman. Today, my conversation is with Minda Hartz, the writer of The Memo, which is an incredible book that teaches black women and women of color how to succeed in the workplace, ask for what they want, and climb the corporate ladder. We touch upon matters that are very salient, not only right now, that have been needed to be addressed for 400 years uh, about equality about how you need to not just pull up a seat at the table for other women but pull up the seat at the table for a woman of color or a black woman and um, she's also an incredible speaker activist and um, I really want you to listen to this episode even if you say but I'm not racist we are all learning we're all growing and we all have the ability to change our minds and do more and make sure that we come out of this situation um, treating everybody equally everyone deserves that we are all human. So take a listen.
1: Thank you again. What
0: sort of got you to where you are today and what inspired your journey?
1: Yeah. Um, for me, it's just been always being the only one or being other. Uh, I spent 15 years in the workplace as one of the only. Uh, growing up, I was always one of the only. And you start to let others... Uh, define who you are. And, uh, and then sometimes you don't look at, you know, being a black woman, or in my case, a black woman as the thing to be, because everyone around you is telling you something different. And once I realized the power that I had in being one of the onlys to create more space for others, it really inspired me to go on this advocacy road to making sure that women of color and black women inside the workplace have a seat at the table. That's
0: amazing, and it it feels so different from how the conversation about female equality sort of that that route that that took. Because I feel like if you go back a generation, there were women who were the only women at the table, uh, probably mostly white women, right? And they were like, "Well, I'm here, and I'm not going to put the ladder down and help." And I think your viewpoint is so refreshing, of like. I'm the only Black woman in the room and I and I better damn well make sure that there's more Black women and women of color at the table.
1: Absolutely. There's no other
0: way. Yeah, agreed, <laughs> agreed. Being that I've been in the fashion industry for too long, I feel scarred because it's always been this like, oh, I'm gonna throw you under the bus to get ahead. And I think it took you know my age group slash younger than me to really just say, fuck that shit A- and make sure that women of color and or just women, right? Like two separate issues, very different issues, but um, are represented and, and get support. Absolutely. So, you wrote a book that not only do you recommend, and by the way, my whole office will be reading it, uh, but really to help Black women understand and navigate and succeed. Um, so, I would love for you to share a little bit of that as well.
1: Yeah, thank you. I, I love a good office book club. For me, uh, It it was, again, that narrative of reading a lot of business books and career books and never quite seeing yourself represented or the fact that, yes, we're talking about women, but we're not talking about intersectionality. Uh, So yes, women experience oppression in the workplace regardless of industry, but there's another layer where women of color, Black women, experience it from a racial lens. And I felt like it was important for women who looked like me to be able to read their stories and shake their head up and down. Like, Oh yeah, that was me too, girl. And, um, not only was that me, but it's caused a lot of workplace trauma. And how do I move forward? Right. How do I find the right table? So maybe I'm at the wrong one. What does that look like? And just to remind ourselves that we have options and there are people who want to partner with us. Um, and there are good people who serve as allies and sponsors and making sure that you align yourself with those people. And so for me, Um, I'm a big fan of Toni Morrison and she said, write the book you want to read. And and that's exactly what I did. I added myself and gave everything I had to writing that book so that current and future generations of women of color wouldn't lean out. When you say lean out versus in, what do you mean by that? (laughs) So uh, there's a popular
0: (laughs) book that Yes, I know. I know in. In and and I people know. were like, screw you. <laughs> screw you,
1: Cheryl. Like, I can't, I'm going to I'm leaning in so hard. I'm going to fall. Yeah, over. yeah. So for those who don't know, I've been under a rock. Um, <laughs> there's a book called Lean In. And that was like the women's manifesto. Again, when you use those la- the language of women, what women are you talking about? And when you peel back the covers, mostly white women identified with that. But then it left out, you know, women of color and working class women. And so black women have been leaning in so hard that yeah, our face was on the table. And I'm like, you know, well, what do you do when how do you lean in when you're not even in the room? You know? Right. When you're not at the table. And- you lean on you lean on the door, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <And sighs> you, put, you put your face on the on the glass and, <laughs> oh my God. and so I I thought, okay, we've worked so hard, you know, we have all this education, we have all this great business acumen, but we're just not having the opportunity. And so for me, I'm saying don't leave corporate America or a nonprofit. Um, You've worked too hard to lean out now, just find the right spaces. Right. And I think as women, we've been conditioned to sometimes just make everything work. And sometimes shit, just is not made to work. (laughs) And we have to acknowledge that. Right. And and it's almost like, no, don't lean your face
0: against the window. Break that window open and yell at everybody.
1: (laughs) Yes. Or go build a new house. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) I
0: think that, you know, one of the things you also touched on when we spoke on Instagram was about how, even if you're not Black, you should be reading this book, especially in corporate America, so that you actually can go into the conversation, not even conversation, but your approach um, is with empathy yeah. and understanding. And so do you have any like specific salient points from the book that you might want to talk about, about how, if you're not black, like
1: why it's so important to read this book. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so for starters, um, I'm glad you brought that up because the cover, it would say that, oh, this is just for women who look like me, uh, because of the cover and the picture, but that's our unconscious bias right now in this climate. I keep hearing white women and men ask me, what can I do? How can I help? And how you help is you read the stories of people who've been marginalized, right? You find out, what they're talking about, what are their pain points, and then you're able to help. You have some context for, oh, that's a microaggression. I had no idea. I thought that was just Bob being Bob, but actually Bob being Bob is hurtful to black women, <laughs> right, or, or bad right. whoever. And um, I think it's really important that we educate ourselves. So I read a lot of business books by white men and white women with them on the cover, and I don't discriminate. And I, so I think we have to you know, change our lens in terms of the content that we consume And so it's very much for everybody because right now there's a lot of heavy, there's a lot of heavy things going on in our country. And some of us as black women just don't have the energy to be able to educate, but a book like mine can, you can read it, you can download it, you can audible it and you can get what you need and have kind of a framework to how to move forward, especially as a manager, how do you manage diverse talent and understand the pain points of the people that you, that you manage. So I talk about a lot of that in the book um, and I talk about, being, you know, a go-to person for many of my white colleagues, but never having the opportunity to lead and how it's a little disingenuous at times when we talk about diversity, equity, inclusion, and then at the highest level, see ourselves. And so think about it from the vantage point of, if you were me, how would you feel waking up every day, not doing that and doing that work and knowing that? So the other part of the book is, um, I have a, a chapter specifically for, for white men and women about some of the things that, have been done to us that maybe no one told you was wrong. And so I serve as kind of this, you know, sister friend to let you know, okay, no more passes now that, you know, let's do better. So I think a lot of people will be able to resonate with the content.
0: I love that. And you also travel and speak often about this very thing.
1: Yes. 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 I, I speak a lot about how you manage diverse talent, uh, how to make the workforce more equitable. And then I also teach at NYU Wagner on talent development. And so it's really important. This is something I eat, breathe and sleep. And so it's important that we get the word out. So one of the things in, in all
0: my reading and opening up my own eyes to maybe things I wasn't even aware of myself that I was looking at was like, you know, diversity is not a box you check. It's not like you're like, oh, we have to fill this box that we've, we've got, oh, we've got four people here, you yeah. know? Um, and I feel like a lot of people do that and say that, and I'm going to be the first one to raise my hand and say like, and, and not even having ill intent, but saying we need more diversity, let's just say on our Instagram feed. Mm-hmm. Right. But, but not thinking through what that actually means. Right. It it means, no, I, I, I truly want a, a feed on Instagram that represents all my customers, but how I say it is wrong. Mm-hmm. Right. So what, what do you think about how people can actually go, oh, wait, this is actually better for my company. It's better for my culture. It's better, better for humanity to hire people that don't look like me, genders that aren't me. Um, like, how do you get people to sort of change that switch from a box to like, no, actually this is a benefit.
1: Yeah. You know, I think it's a journey, right? We're all on this journey to hopefully being a better human. And at the end of the day, it's humanizing the workplace because the the world is changing. The the people um, that you walk past on the streets um, may not look the same ten years ago in your neighborhood. You know, so things are definitely changing. And I think it's important that we build authentic relationships. So yes, it's important to have diversity on your about us pages and on your social feeds, but are you getting to know some of your coworkers, right? Are you humanizing their experiences? Um, one woman sent me an email and I could feel her pain in the email because her colleagues were telling her to, you know, stop being emotional about the things that are going on in the world right now. And she's the only black woman on the team. Um, how do you tell yeah. somebody that during a time like that? And if, if that were your daughter, if that were your mother, would you want someone to say that to them? And so, I feel like this, much of it is back to your point, the empathy gap. It's like, I don't think that many of our experiences have been humanized and I think we all can be what I refer to as a success partner. Um, you're being a success partner for, for me for amplifying you know, my work. And I can do that for for other people too that don't look like me and for those who look like me. And so I think we become better humans when we aren't in an echo chamber, right? And we're learning and we're growing. And we don't know what we don't know. And we're going to make mistakes. And I think that's the part that I want to r- remind people is that we might make a mistake. We might make a misstep. But it's what you do when you get back up. But if you don't do anything, then that's not being courageous. And allyship, at the end of the day, takes courage.
0: Right. Agreed. I think there's a, a really amazing quote by Coretta Scott King. is it's She says, it doesn't matter how strong your opinions are. If you don't use your power for positive change, you are indeed part of the problem and i think that's so salient to our conversation because so many people like get almost stricken with panic like what do i do i don't know what to say oh i don't want to say the wrong thing okay Mm -hmm. i'll say nothing um and that just continues that just continues it
1: yeah that's it because nobody benefits when we're cautious you know you think about the women's women's movement the civil rights uh the voting acts like all of those things took people leaning into their courage and what if martin luther king would have said nothing what if Gloria Steinem would have said nothing. Where would we be, you know?
0: <laughs> yeah. Right, exactly, exactly.
1: Here's my worry
0: with with everything that's going on. I feel like the Women's March launched, um, what was it, 2017, right? Mm-hmm. We're still talking about inequalities with women, even though we're 50% of the population, right? Then you have this movement and the fear of it being like part of the news cycle and then everyone's going to get back on to something else. So how, how do you advise people stay present, focused, continue so that this becomes something that is, there's an end to this conversation, you know, is it going to happen in a month? No, but but it, it can't take 20 years. You know, it can't take 15 years. It can't take 10. It can't take five. Yeah, no,
1: we don't got time for it. <laughs> <laughs> I would say time and patience, maybe. <laughs> a lot of patience, but, but, but I, I think to your point, um, how do we make sure that this isn't just a movement, a moment, but it becomes a movement? A movement. The intentionality, yeah. right? Like each of us committing that, you know, we're not going to just tweet today, but this is a long game and that we're in it. You know, I'm not going to just read my, white fragility, and now I have it all covered, like this lifestyle. Nice. you know. And so I, I think once we commit to the lifestyle of equality, then it's an everyday thing. And it's not just, it's in our action, it's in our voting records, it's in our communities. And so I hope that your listeners, they'll think about what is that? It's not just giving to the NAACP, and it's not just giving to Color of Change, those things are great. But it's also being a good colleague in the workplace, right? So what does that look like? It's also funding, diversity initiatives and employee resource groups what does that look like so thinking about what you can contribute and making sure that you just keep building and adding to that that's what's going to create uh the long game
0: yeah and do you think that to some degree within like corporate america it's also if you don't have that diversity and inclusion officer which i just had a conversation with a dear friend isa who was like that's a bullshit term (laughs) that doesn't give, you know, puts high IQ, very able people in positions where they can't act. Not sure how you feel about that. But, you know, like if you don't have that advocate within your workplace, you know, making sure that you're pulling up a seat, as you said before, making sure that when making a decision as a company, whether that person is not a director yet, like, hey, what do you think about this? Or, hey, how can we do better? Like asking the people within your organization that are Black or you know people of color what they think. Yeah,
1: yeah, I agree because the thing is I think what's happened for so long is that a group of like white men and women are making decisions for everybody else and like oh maybe that doesn't <clears> but nobody's really thinking, oh, maybe that doesn't work for for black people or trans people or you know if there's no one at the table and I think even if you don't have someone in your executive suite or at your board of directors that's a person of color right now or identifies um in another gender or religion or what have you, you can still, as you're, you said, tap them and ask them what they think. But I also think it's important. I do believe that we still need um, people to hold other people accountable. So if it is that chief diversity officer, but empowering them, to your point. And do they report into the CEO? And I think that's something that we don't see. And so I, I would hope that the, the system, the org, org chart starts to change with the power structure because, um, in my opinion, everybody – that gets hired at this, at said company should be a, a diversity officer. That should be part of the mandate.
0: Yeah. And that requires a lot of great education. As you said, it's not just reading white yeah. fragility.
1: I said it's, What'd you it's say? Yes. And <laughs> we can do this and it's going to be some more. So it's a journey. It's totally a journey. And
0: it's recognizing when you even have that thought that's like, Oh, okay. Now I'm aware that that's a thought that, you know, you have been you know, not you, Minda, but like that white people have just, oh, I just always thought that that was normal. You know, it's, it's like, no, this isn't normal. It's how it's been, but it has to change and it has to change fast. Real
1: fast. Like 30, 60, 90 days. What are we doing different? <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I like that plan. I like the 30, 60, 90 day plan. I,
0: I wish, you know, the I wish other people would adopt those plans a lot quicker in in areas that are inequitable or are bad for this planet.
1: <laughs> yeah, we'll keep pushing them.
0: <laughs> yes. So, where can people
1: get your books? Where can they hire you to speak? Where can they? Thank support you so much. You? Uh, so, you can buy my books wherever books are sold. Your favorite places, and you can also go to MindaHarts.com.
0: Awesome. And for booking you to speak and educate. Us blind people, where do you, where do you. <laughs> uh,
1: right there on my website, on the tab that says speaker, uh, I'd be happy to, to join you. And I think it's leaning into our courage and pushing aside our caution and, and we're all going to be better for it.
0: Totally. Well, thank you for doing double duty. Not only my um, IG live, but this. So I think hopefully people make change from this and hear you and I respect you so much. And my book
1: club starts, um, the week after next i love it thank you for the work you do and and keep leaning into your courage i will I'm stop. <laughs> i'll find you i'll be like rebecca don't don't take that foot off the pedal <laughs> no 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 the foot's not going off the pedal they're definitely <laughs> awesome thank you